The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we're so lucky to have coming all the way from California, Darlene Lancer, a family therapist, a marriage counselor, and she's got two big specialties, narcissism and codependency. She's written books. She's all over the place. She really knows a lot, and she's going to share it with us. Darlene Lancer, welcome. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I like to share what I've learned and researched with more people, so I appreciate the opportunity. Why don't you introduce yourself properly to our audience and tell them all about yourself? Okay, well, I've been a marriage and family therapist for about 30 years, and I've written several books on codependency and shame and all kinds of tools for recovery, such as how to raise your self-esteem, how to learn to be assertive, how to forgive yourself, and I have a couple of meditations. Uh, self-love meditation, which I think is the key to transformation and recovery. And I just published a, a soul alignment meditation because, you know, when many people get strayed from their path and that's what makes them unhappy in life, they may be in a destructive relationship or just a, a profession or just some way that they're not feeling fulfilled. Um, and uh, a lot of codependents are perfectionists. So I have a book on how to overcome perfectionism. And many of my followers are in 12-step programs. And I have a handbook I'm working that's called Spiritual Transformation of the 12 Steps on how to work the 12 steps. And it's from a psychological, spiritual point of view, not a religious one. So I've been doing this for a number of years. I'm coming out with a new book at the end of the year on uh, dating, loving, and leaving a narcissist. And I know that's the topic of our conversation today. Well, let's start with, tell our audience, what does narcissism mean? Give us the definition. Well, there's a um, criteria that the uh, diagnostic code, the consensus, consensus of of psychologists have come together and created a, a symptomatic uh, definition. So it's based on symptoms. And the major required symptoms are that the person lacks empathy, that they indulge in grandiosity. So uh, sometimes it's just their fantasy of what they think they should be doing, not necessarily bragging about what they should do, but they have big dreams of being a celebrity or making millions of dollars and they dream and talk about it or other people brag about it or lie about it. And that there's a constant need for admiration. So those are three of the core requirements from the American Psychiatric Association for Narcissistic Personality Disorder. So a lot of people, and I, there's more traits that are required for a full diagnosis. I want to depart for a minute to, just to say that a personality disorder is an enduring condition that starts to uh, exhibit itself in young adulthood or maybe even as a teenager 
And the, unlike a mood disorder, like anxiety, depression, bipolar, where a person has a normal personality and then they depart from it when they have these mood swings or depression. A personality disorder, this is what you see is what you get. So this is who they are. And because that's how they've always been, that's how they see the world. And they don't think that anything's wrong with them. They think other people, and this is also, it's not a required trait, but it's uh, what happens when you have a narcissistic personality, um, that you don't see other people as separate from yourself. So there's a lot of projection. So half the time, the things that a narcissist is saying about other people is a reflection of how they feel about themselves. And it may be unconscious. So getting back to the, um, this, the definition of the disorder, you would need those three characteristics and then at least two more. So that would be, because you need five altogether. So those are the three basic ones. And then a feeling that you're special or unique and that you only wanna associate with high status people um, or people that you consider special, like only people that go to an Ivy League school or celebrities or rich people. You know, the, the class may differ, but in the narcissist mind, they're superior and special. And the entitlement, and this is one of the traits that causes the most irritation in relationships. So, so there's a sense that the narcissist deserves special treatment. Like I talked to one couple and the husband thought that his wife should listen to him and be interested in him and his interests and his work. And when she asked for the same, he saw no need or reason why he should be interested in her. And this was, he said it very matter of factly with no shame. So, you know, he was entitled to just this favorable treatment. They don't like to stand in line. I've had clients that think like the laws don't apply to them, uh, that they're ridiculous, so they're above the law, um, things like that. They're special and outside the rules for other people. Now, and, someone, someone listens to this and sees this and says, you know what? I think I may have a narcissistic personality disorder. What does that person do? What do you advise them to do? Well, uh, first of all, you can't really self-diagnose. So some people are worried about that. And usually if they are, likelihood is they're not a narcissist. Because again, the illness is considered egocentric rather than dystonic. So it's synchronistic. It's like feels okay. And they're not really motivated to get treatment usually unless a spouse demands it or they lose a business or suddenly their health fails and then they can't just ride on their laurels anymore. But if they do um, really are concerned about that and if it's affecting their relationships, uh, I would recommend getting psychiatric treatment uh, by a psychoanalyst uh, more than just once a week and someone who's really experienced, experienced in treating the disorder because it's not just your average talk therapy 
And uh, a lot of therapists don't want to treat a narcissist because it could be very difficult. They get subjected to attacks and the anger um, and the entitlement of the narcissist. So it takes a special um, training to know how to deal with that. So that's what I would recommend. So it could be marriage and family therapist or social worker or psychologist or psychiatrist, but they have psychoanalytic training. So it's a, it's, it's a different category. Um, on my website, I have a blog about treatment for narcissists. And I list some of the different modalities and what the treatment would look like and how you would um, help that person see the consequences of the behavior. That's one of the ways I emphasize that partners deal with a narcissist because to them, relationships are transactional. So they want to know what's in it for them. They're usually not too interested in your feelings, even if they hurt you, only how it impacts them. So you have to communicate a little differently than you would in a normal relationship. So if you say, well, you're hurting my feelings, we'll feel like, well, so what? I didn't get my needs met. So you have to point out to them that when that relationships are a two-way street, and when you do X, Y, Z, where I don't feel that my needs are getting met, I don't feel like meeting your needs for whatever that might be. You have to know where you have leverage. Usually a narcissist wants attention. They want sex. Maybe other things. If it's a woman, she might not might want um, support or um, praise about her looks or things like that. Is it more um, common among one of the genders? Yes, there's definitely more men that are narcissistic. That doesn't mean that there aren't women. There are plenty of women who are. Um, but I'd like to go over a couple more of the traits, the symptoms. Sure. So I mentioned, um, okay, thinking you're special and uh, only want to associate with high status people. Entitlement that you are entitled because you're so special to special treatment and favor, uh, unique treatment that more than other people. And another really um, uh, trait that causes problems in business and relationships is many narcissists, not all, but one of the traits is exploiting and taking advantage of others for your own personal gain. So they might, uh, dishonor a contract or use information or in some way or exploit a, a girlfriend or, or a boyfriend uh, to be supported or to have sex or to get some special advantage. And then envy is very common. So they think that people are, because they're so great, that they're being envied and they envy others because they want to be the best and they can't, they're very competitive. They're always scanning the room, the situation to see who has the power and who's getting the most attention and they want to be sure it's them. So they assume that people are envying them. And I remember, you know, I had a narcissistic mother and I, one time when I was a young girl, I was complaining about feeling hurt by my girlfriends or, or something. And my mother would just dismiss and say, oh, they just envy you. Well, that didn't feel good. It didn't help at all. So that was her projection of how she would deal with it. And envy, by the way, is a defense to shame. So if um, people are envying me because I'm so great, then I don't really have to feel 
what's underneath it's that maybe I'm less than them. I'm envying what they have. So I'm going to assume they're envying me. And then the final one would be arrogance, that they feel better and superior to other people, to other races, to other religions, other political views, whatever, that they have this air of superiority of arrogance. So you need five traits altogether, uh, including the three that I mentioned above, uh, the lack of empathy and the need for admiration and grandiosity. Now there's something called subclinical narcissism. So people throw around that term, oh, he or she's such a narcissist, look at all their selfie selfies you know, on Facebook, or they're so selfish, they only think of themselves. That's not enough. Or someone is so arrogant um, because you know, they think they're better than everybody. That's not enough to be a narcissist. The key thing is, do they lack empathy? And do they have this insatiable need for admiration? So those are some of the uh, core. And then there's four different types of narcissists too. It can manifest in different ways. What are the four different types? Okay. <laughs> um, well, the first is the, the one that you think of, like who's in the public eye um, or brags a lot and boasts a lot, maybe is the life of the party. That's the grandiose the, or the, the, the narcissist or the exhibitionistic narcissist. Um, those are like your stereotype. And uh, they're usually very bold. They exhibit a lot of confidence and they're very interested in power. Their arrogance is on display. And, um, and then there's something called the vulnerable narcissist. There's other names for it called the closet narcissist. Uh, popular now is the term covert narcissist. It used to be called uh, introverted narcissist. So it's someone, they can be just as uh, obnoxious and um, exploitative, aggressive, self-absorbed, entitled, and unempathic and manipulative because narcissists are very manipulative and aggressive. However, they shy away from attention. That's why sometimes they're called introverted narcissists. And, um, but they have the same uh, feelings of self alienation from their self. And um, they're, what's more different, what's different though, is that they suffer from more uh, neurotic behavior, guilt, anxiety, depression. They're very insecure and unhappy. The grandiose narcissists may not be aware that they're insecure. Obviously they are when they have to pump themselves up and bully other people that comes from insecurity but often it's unconscious. So the covert or introverted narcissist can be sometimes even more difficult to live with because um, they're very hypersensitive and uh, they have these, they don't have these skills that a grandiose narcissist has to pump up their ego. So they're more distrustful and threat oriented. They might withdraw from people well, they don't, can't inflate themselves. So the defensive inflation for a grandiose narcissism helps them to you know, feel good about themselves. So then they're happier. Often they're happy in their relationship and happy with their lives. That's why they don't seek treatment. 
but the introverted narcissist is more unhappy and grouchy and you know hypersensitive their insecurity is more uh, visible and they're just more neurotic uh, they're not interested in growth at all then there's the malignant narcissist which is like the worst because they're the most aggressive and cruel um, they like to create chaos they take pleasure in in uh, taking people down and um, retribution they have psychopathic um, tendencies which means they're more aggressive and there's more malice involved um, often for a lot of narcissists don't realize uh, they're not intending to be malicious but the more aggression there is the the worse the narcissism the more traits there are not all narcissists are exploitive it's not a required trait and they're not all aggressive but the more it tends to lean over towards psychopathy then it's like a malignant narcissist and they can be very dangerous um, then there's a fourth kind that's rather new it's called a communal narcissist. And it's very similar to the grandiose narcissist. The only thing is um, what they value is not so much power over people, but being the most trustworthy, the most supportive person, you know, so the most giving person, the most helpful person. So you would could get really confused. Sometimes they're in the clergy or they're philanthropists um, and they or community that they want to be very helpful. <clears throat> but it's still all about them and their ego. And their motive is still the sense of power, but in an indirect way because they're being so helpful and they're going to get attention that way and they're going to get um, praise for how much they give other people or how supportive they are. Is there a general prognosis or any statistic on we took a hundred narcissists we put them into treatment and x percent of them got better is there any such statistic i don't know there might be i don't know okay but you have to understand someone that goes into treatment is not is usually not representative of the population at large because they might be able to be introspective. They're interested in learning about themselves. They may be able to take responsibility or have remorse, regret. So those are good. That's a good prognosis. Oh, okay. But most or many narcissists don't. Um, but what I was going to say is that in the dynamics, and it's really any abusive relationship, not just with a narcissist. Um, but often someone who uh, puts other people first and wants to please, someone who's codependent, uh, will bond with a narcissist or just someone abusive. It could be a, a, with an addict. Yeah. How can our audience learn more about you and your work? Oh, okay. Well, my website is whatiscodependency.com. You can also find me at darlenelancer.com. And I'm all over the internet and I write for Psychology Today and Medium. And uh, you could subscribe to my monthly blog, 
on my website. And what else? I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I have YouTubes up on my YouTube channel. And I have a lot of podcasts on Flipit, C-L-Y-P dot I-T. And there's some on SoundCloud. And there's links to them on my website. And, of course, I'm on Facebook and Pinterest. And <laughs> those are the ones where you can find me all over. If you just Google my name, you'll find a lot of stuff. Arlene Lancer, thank you so much. This has been very enlightening. It's been great to have you. Thank you for being with us here at Exploring Different Brains. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been a real pleasure, and I enjoyed our conversation. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.